All right, today's September 12th. All right, a new series is starting today. I'm, I'm really excited about the series. I have been for a while, and we finally get to kick it off today because it is time that we need an update. It's time for an update. I just want to take a quick poll in here. Who in here remembers, remembers back when seatbelts weren't required, that you didn't need a seatbelt to drive around? Anybody remember sliding around in the back of the car? Anybody remember that? Okay. Who, who in here remembers back when car seats weren't required for little babies? Does anybody remember that? Car seats weren't required. You remember that? Okay. Some people, and then who in here thinks that's crazy, those things? It's pretty crazy, right? Taking home a baby from the hospital in your lap in the front, like, are you kidding me? What were you guys thinking? Okay. <laughs> but, but the reality is, is that whether you're young or old, we, we realize, hey, as cars were getting faster, as more and more were on the road, we have to do some updates. We have to make some changes to make life safer, to make cars safer, make the roads safer. And it's been really good. Just having seatbelts has cut back on fatalities in, in half for those who are having injuries. I mean, it's, it's a great thing, but hey, we've got to have an update. We've got to have a seatbelt when we're in the car because technology has changed. And, and I think something similar needs to happen in our lives when it comes to the digital age we are now living in. I really feel that over the last 10 years, smartphones, social media, and a lot of the other streaming services and all that stuff have radically changed our lives, radically changed. And all this technology that I don't think our hearts and minds have really caught up yet, that we haven't figured out how to do things in this new digital age in a way that's, that's healthy in a lot of ways. So that's what this series is going to be all about. What are the updates we need to do? What are the ways we need to change in the way we live and the way we interact with our smartphone, with the technology we have? And there's a lot of things we're going to talk about in this series, but there was one in particular that really stood out to me last year when I, when I read this book called The Coddling of the American Mind. And it just stood out to me so much. I'm like, we've got to talk about this as a church. And this is just the first one. And we're going to talk about a whole bunch of different things in this series. But this, this first idea is related to smartphones and, and social media that really took off about a decade ago. So in 2013 was, was when things really changed in our country because a majority of people in our country had a smartphone. It was in 2013 when that change happened. And you can kind of see that there's a line there or just before that, that, that things like in 2011, 52% of homes had some sort of mobile device that kids would use, 51, 52%. But in 2017, 98% of homes had some sort of mobile device that kids would use. Um, one survey found that of 13 to 17-year-olds, in 2012, 41% um, had a smartphone. So 41% of... Teenagers had a smartphone in 2012. In 2018, that number had grown to 89% of teenagers. See the radical shift? Um, and, and here's the thing. It's not just the kids have devices. They're using them all the time, right? So here's the thing. Kids under 8 today, on average, use those devices for 2 hours and 19 minutes. Those are kids under 8, 8 and under. Teens, on the other hand, now use their devices for an average of 7 hours and 22 minutes a day. And that's not including school or homework. It's way worse from a mom. Okay, we know that this has changed. And it's not just like, oh, they're, they're on their devices, um, you know, that, that, that doesn't change much. But it really does. And I want to show you three graphs. And this was in that book, Coddling of the American Mind, some of this stuff. And, um, but I just want to show you a little bit. So this is about teen depression for 12 to 17-year-olds. And you can see that from 2004 to about 2011 where things were pretty stable and normal, but right there in about 2011, you can see all of the numbers go up. That top line is for teenage girls, the middle line is the average, and the bottom one is teenage boys. 
So it's gone up across the board with major depressive events, but especially for teenage girls, where it's almost doubled. They're perhaps the ones suffering the most for some of these things. And it was right then in 2011 when almost all the teenagers were starting to have smartphone and social media on their devices. So I wanted to show you this next graph as well. Here we see that it is tied, or at least very correlated to internet use and social media use, because as you see there in 2010, 2011, as all the numbers go up, so the very top line is depressive symptoms, the next one is internet hours of usage, and the bottom one is social media usage for teenage girls. And you can see, it's just a correlation, okay? Nobody can say it's causation, right? But there's a very strong correlation between these things happening. It's because it's hard, and it's really hard. And this next uh, chart uh, I pulled from a Netflix documentary a lot of you have seen called The Social Dilemma. If you haven't seen it, very informative. And this is, is from that. And if you see the top line, this purple one is for girls age 15 to 19. And the bottom one is girls age 10 to 14. And you can see right when social media was available on mobile in 2009, that's when all these numbers of suicides are going up. Increasing in girls age 15 to 19 by 70%, and for those age 10 to 14 by 151%. There's been massive changes in our society, and we see in just this section that teenage girls are impacted perhaps the most, but I really do feel like it has impacted all of us. It, it really has. So we are going to have a message in this series all on parenting. We're going to have a special message just on that the first Sunday in October. Make sure you're here for that. But this is for everybody, okay? This is for everybody because there's a lot of people, maybe the teenage girls have just realized how impacted emotionally and spiritually there are by, by the things that we have in our pockets all the time. But it's impacting all of us. It's impacting all of us. So this is how this series is going to look. It's a six-week series. Today we're going to talk about distractions. Distractions. That we're distracted all the time by the pings and the dings and the tweet, tweets and the emails and all that, notifications. We're, we're always distracted. So how do we live in a world where there's distractions all the time? So that's the, the first week today. Next week, we're going to talk about fear. Because man, the news, social media, your Ring app is always trying to get you to be afraid. And how do we live in this world when everybody is fear-mongering all the time? So that's next week. I'm, I'm actually really excited about that message. I think God's got me something good for you guys. So make sure you're here next week. The third week, we're going to talk about how do we turn off in an age where everything's always on all the time. How do, how do we actually turn off? So that's what that message is going to be. And then we're going to have that message on parenting. And then we're going to have a message on sexuality. Yes, we're going to be talking about sex because the internet has changed a lot of stuff, okay? So it's going to be sixth grade appropriate because we have sixth graders in here, but I just want to let everybody know we're going to be talking about sex that day, for good or for bad, okay? That, and then we're going to finish the series because there's some incredible things and good things that are happening with technology and how do we use these technology for good in our lives. That's how we're going to wrap up the series. So what I'm saying, I'm, I'm giving you that whole overview so you will commit to coming to this series. The whole thing, even if you're like, I don't have kids, be there for the parenting series, okay? You might be like, I'm, I'm, I'm never going to have kids. Fine, be there because there's some kids and parents around you that need your help, okay? So I want you to commit to this series. If you're here today, if you're watching online, make a commitment to this six-week series. If you have to be gone, like, I, I'm traveling to London. Okay, I get it, okay. You can subscribe on, your, on YouTube. You can subscribe on your podcast app so that you don't miss a single one of our episodes, okay? Make sure you don't miss this series. It's going to be really good for all of us because we need an update, in our lives. It's time to update, get better at this. And, and I'm saying all of this, especially as we, we start today to talk about distraction, because that's what we're going to talk about today, distraction, that I'm teaching all of this stuff not as an expert. 
Uh, I might have studied God's word, and that's what we're going to look at in every single message this week, but I'm not an expert like I've got it all figured out digitally. In fact, I make a lot of blunders. Back in June, when Canaan, um, I, I guess he was about 18 months, I was watching Canaan upstairs by myself. It was my job to watch one kid, right? And I got distracted, right? And uh, a few minutes later, Melissa runs up the stairs because there is water coming out of the light in the dining room. See, Canaan had gone into our bathroom, and he had moved the faucet around in the bathtub, turned on the water full blast, and it was flooding everywhere. He was having a grand old time, just so excited, water everywhere, and it was leaking through into the dining room light and even into one of the basement lights it was coming out of. Do you know what I was doing while all that was happening? I was on my phone. I had a cool idea for a sermon illustration that I was trying to write down. Okay, I was doing it for you guys, right? No, I was distracted. My job was to watch my son, and I got completely distracted by my phone. Wasn't a, I didn't hear the water, didn't notice what was going on, and I'm going to have to patch some drywall because of it, right? I, I, I'm, I'm telling you guys all of this because I have issues too with my phone, with, with the distractions that, that come with it. So we all have to, myself included, learn how to live in this age of distraction. So what we're going to learn today is how to make every moment matter. And I think this is so important because, and, and here's the problem with the distractions we're in, it makes us stupid. Did you know this? It, it really does. It lowers our IQ. There was a, a study done with a group of people that had distractions from their smartphone while taking a test and another group that had no distractions. It would just be like an email every 15, 20 minutes or, or a text or a notification. The, the group that had the distractions had a 20% drop in their test scores. 20% drop. So if you're a student, if you're in school at all, you will do worse if you're distracted during your work. And it is the same for workers too, okay? There, there's been a study on workers, and what they found is that when people are distracted by getting emails or notifications on their phone or on their devices while they're doing their work, it has, the, it has a twice, I'm trying to figure out how to say this right, it, it, it doubles the negative impact on your work productivity as it would if you were stoned on marijuana, okay? Yeah, it's worse for your productivity to be distracted than to be stoned, okay? Yeah, so distraction is bad for our productivity. It's bad for our IQ. It's bad for our relationships. There's an interesting book called Irresistible, The Rise of Addictive Technology and the Business of Keeping Us Hooked by Adam Alter, and he, he kind of looks at this and he says, here, here are the three reasons why we struggle with distractions so much with social media and our devices. The, the first one is that there are no stopping cues. There's, even with TV, it was like, the episode's over, move on. Now it's like, next episode and the next one. It just starts playing, right? That, that you keep scrolling and there's no end. There's always more. There's another video to watch that's queued up. There are no stopping cues. The second reason is that screens provide unpredictable rewards. All of a sudden you see something, oh, that gets you excited, you see a comment, you get a notification, but then you go long periods of time where everything's worthless and nothing, and you're like, why am I wasting time online right now? But then there's another cue, oh, that, that made me feel good, right? It's unpredictable, and because of that, our bodies like, learn to crave it, almost like an addiction. It's interesting because some of us think, oh, that means we just need more willpower, but that's not even it. Um, there was a former Google uh, uh, designer named Tristan Harris, and he said, the problem is in a lack of willpower. There are a thousand people, he said this, a thousand people on the other side of the screen whose job it is to break down the self-regulation you have. They want you to be addicted. 
And that's why one psychologist, Nicholas Cardaris, said this. He said, digital drugs may be even more insidious and problematic than illicit drugs because we don't have our guard up about them. We don't even realize that we're being addicted to the notifications. And, and that's happening all the time. So that's why we're going to talk today about dealing with these distractions. That's, that's the problem we have. So we're going to look at God's Word because there's some ancient wisdom that really applies to our lives in this age today. See, God's Word is timeless, but it's also very timely. It's very timely for us today. So what we're going to learn today is, is one simple idea, is that we need to make every moment matter. Make every moment matter. Whatever moment you're in, whatever time you're in, whatever you're doing, we need to make that moment matter because God has given it to us. Make every moment matter. Could you guys say that with me? Make every moment matter. That's what we got to do. And in order to do that, we're going to need to take three steps that we're going to learn from our scripture today. Three steps that we need to take in our life. And the first one, the first one is that we need to evaluate your reality. Two, we need to eliminate the unwise. And three, embrace the best. So the first thing we need to do is to um, evaluate your reality. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and get to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. You can use your smartphone as long as you turn off all the notifications. You can go to the YouVersion Bible app and look for the Arise Church Denver event. You can take notes right in there as we look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. So I'm going to read these two verses to you guys today. This is our main scripture. Paul writes, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of what? Every opportunity, because the days are evil. This is what we're going to look at today, and I want you to notice at the very beginning of this verse, there's the first command in these two verses, and it says to be very careful. Paul is telling us to command, you have to be watchful, you have to be aware, you have to be careful in how you live. You need to evaluate how things are going in your life. This is a specific command because as we live our life, we just go about things we're not even aware sometimes is how the world is shaping us. And our new age over the last 10 years has shifted everything. Over the last two, and a half, two years, it's really gotten changed, hasn't it? Some of you guys Zoom for everything, right? For work, for school, for seeing your family. You haven't seen anybody in person, right? Okay, we're Zooming for everything. Our life has so radically changed, so we need to evaluate this reality and be very careful how we live in it. So evaluate your reality. So, so this is so important. So if you're going to evaluate your reality, I want you to think, when am I distracted? When are things taking me away from what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I distracted by my phone, by my watch, by notifications on my phone? Do you have a story like mine with Canaan? Some of you parents are nodding. Do you have times? You might not even realize it. So this is the thing. We need to wake up and realize what's going on. And if you're, because we deceive ourselves the most. We really lie to ourselves. No, it's fine. I'm not addicted. It's, it's totally okay. But we need to be truthful about the reality of our situation. Our phones are addictive. They're made to be that way. So if you feel yourself, yeah, it, it, it's a struggle. I want to look at my phone right now. Some of you guys do right now. You know what I'm talking about? You're just doing something like, there's nothing even going on, and I still want to just grab it. There's uh, something that social psychologists have looked at with this, and, and they call it the brain drain. That just having your device near you drains your IQ. 
Because you're sometimes just thinking, am I getting a notification? It's going on. And even if you have the willpower not to answer the ding on your phone, the vibration, it still lowers your IQ. Isn't that interesting? That's why they call it the brain drain, just having the devices. And they really impact our relationships. Studies have found that um, people acknowledge that just having a phone with them, like if you go to coffee with someone and having a phone, it lowers your ability to develop trust with another person, to have real friendship and intimacy. Our devices are, are, are making it so our relationships are more shallow. So if you're like, I feel lonely, I don't feel like I have any good friends, it might be because of your device and you're not even realizing what is leading to it. But, but it does even more than that. I think it's really bad for us parents. I, as a parent, I, I need to be honest, but parents, we need, we need to be honest. They, they surveyed some kids and asked them, do your parents, are, are they on their phone too much? 54% of kids said yes. See, the saddest thing is that parents today are more present physically in their kids' lives than any parents in generations past. They're more present at events, at, at stuff. They're, they're there for their kids physically, but yet they're even more emotionally absent. And kids pick up on it. And in fact, it leads to kids having worse behavior because their parents are distracted. Thanks, Angelo. <laughs> they call this the continuous partial attention because our mind is always distracted by different things. And we're not very good at multitasking. I am terrible at multitasking. And yet we're trying to get our minds to do two or three or four things at once all the time. And our brains just can't handle it. Heck, it's hard enough having kids without a smartphone. Let me tell you about three kids. We'll talk afterward. So our relationships, our parenting, our life, our IQ is all dropping because of these distractions we have. And what we need to do first is evaluate our life. Am I being distracted by things? Am I wasting time doing things? In, in 1 Corinthians... In 1 Corinthians um, 10.23, Paul says, Some of you say, we can do whatever we want. Okay, that's true. You can. You have freedom in Christ. A lot of these things are not sinful. Okay, it's, it's not. But I tell you, he says, that not everything may be good or helpful. So think about your social media use. Think about your devices. Are they helpful to you? This, this is part of our evaluation process. I want you guys to go Marie Kondo on this stuff, right? Do you know what she does, Marie Kondo? She has a Netflix show and it's like goes into someone's mess of a house and like throws everything out. She has people like pick up their t-shirts, smell your t-shirt. <sighs> does it bring you joy? I'm like, I don't think I have a single t-shirt that brings me joy. I need to get rid of all of them, I guess, right? But the point is like, okay, does it have any value to your life? Does, does it add anything? Because if you're, if you're saying, well, I, I don't know, like it's just a game, it's just this or whatever. If it doesn't add value, you need to evaluate that. If it doesn't bring you joy, if it doesn't help you connect with other people or, or spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, if there is no value, you've got to evaluate it and be honest with yourself. Evaluate your reality. That's the first thing. So that's step one. But, but if you do that, and, and I encourage you, talk to your spouse, talk to your kids. Kids, talk to your parents. Okay. Evaluate your reality. And then the second step that we need to do is to eliminate the unwise. Eliminate the unwise. We've figured out this is good, this is bad, this is mediocre, this adds nothing to my life, it just makes me drone off into nothingness, okay? We, we have those things. Okay, now you've done your evaluation. Now you need to say, what can I eliminate from my life? How do I eliminate the unwise in my life? If we look 
I point to. Eliminate the unwise. So I want to keep looking at our passage again. In Ephesians 5, 15, if we can look at that again, it says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Not as unwise, but as wise. So, so we can look at our life. Now, there is an essence of morality to this entire passage, like that there are certain things that are right and certain things that are wrong. But this is just saying wise and unwise. So there's a whole category of things that are sin, okay? Adultery, okay? lying, cheating, stealing, those are moral, right? There, there's a whole category of sin, but there's another category of stupid. You guys with me? There is sin, and then there is just stupid, okay? It's not sinful, necessarily, to eat a Cinnabon, you know, cinnamon roll every single day. But it might be stupid, because you're going to need to buy some new pants, right? It just wasn't worth it <laughs> on my waistline. Okay, we, we know that there is sin, and there is stupid. And Paul is saying, we've got to be smarter about this. There's a whole book of the Bible called Proverbs that are teaching us, this is smart, and this is stupid. It's wisdom. We've got to figure this stuff out, because some stuff, you're like, well, is it really a sin, Matt, for me to watch all these TikToks? I still don't know. Do you call it a TikTok? Yes, maybe. Some, and people tell me I get that wrong. Do you, is it a sin to watch these TikToks? I don't know. Is it smart? Well, that's another question, right? So what we're supposed to do in this phase is eliminate the unwise. What is unwise? What is not helpful to my life? What is not building me up? And I need to eliminate those things. Eliminate. This is where we go Marie Kondo, right? Throw it out. So it could mean a lot of different things for you. And, and this whole series, I'm going to give you some practical things, but you've got to figure out what God is leading you to do. It, it could mean that you need to unsubscribe from some emails, right? Unsubscribe from like everything. Let's just, let's just do that, except for the Rise Church Denver weekly <laughs> email, right? No, unsubscribe from anything that's unhelpful. Just unsubscribe. It, it might mean that you're on a social media, but you're like, that person, whenever I see those posts, this is, you, you see it and you're like, it doesn't make me happy for that person. I'm jealous of their life. I see what's happening in the news over here, and it makes me angry. If it's not something that's helpful to your life, just stop following it, okay? You can stay friends with someone and unfollow them. Did you know that? You can be on Instagram and mute a person. Do it, okay? Eliminate. Be ruthless with your elimination. Because, let's just be honest, I don't want to know what anybody's thinking all the time. Nobody, okay? I want to know what my spouse is thinking all the time, right? Yet, there's people that we barely met like 18 years ago, and we still hear every one of their ram rambling thoughts. We see their pictures, and we're like, well, do I need to see every aspect of their fake life on Instagram? No. Okay? So there's certain people that you're like, this is wise. I need to stay connected with this person. This is a relationship thing. This is an influence thing. Okay, but I'm going to eliminate everything else. Be ruthless with your elimination. Some of you need to get completely get rid of a social platform. A few years ago, I got rid of Twitter found I was wasting so much time. Me personally, I was wasting so much time on Twitter. And I was like, this isn't adding very much to my life. <laughs> but, but what's the thing that God is leading you to do? What are you supposed to eliminate? Maybe it's something different. What do you need to eliminate? What subscription do you need to cut off? You're like, well, Matt, I already paid for it. Who cares? If it's a negative drain on your life, just cut it off. Eliminate, eliminate, eliminate the unwise. And we need to do this because our lives are short. Psalm 90, 12 um, Moses has this great prayer in Psalm 90. And, and he says this, Teach us to number each of our days so that we may grow in wisdom. To know that our lives are short, that there are only so many moments to them, makes you realize, why am I wasting all this time doing this stuff? Number our days. 
Our days are short. So, so think about it. In these moments we have, like I was rocking the twins this week. Man, it's so cool to rock twins. At night as they're drinking their bottles, like I could just move on. Okay, this is what we got to do to get the, the bedtime moving on. But man, how many times am I going to get to do that? There's, only, there's, there's a time where it will be the very last time I pick up my kid. And I won't know when it's going to happen until it's done. Every moment we have is only that moment. And it will never be that moment again. So we need to eliminate the unwise. If it's not wise, just get rid of it. Just get rid of it. And that leads us to our third point, is that we need to embrace the best. We've eliminated the unwise. Now we find the things that are the best. Let's embrace those things and make them even better, those moments. So Paul continues in verse 16. He said, not as unwise, but as wise in verse 16, making the most of every opportunity. Make the most of it. A lot of versions translate that as redeem the time. In Greek, it is literally buy the time. Find that interesting, buy the time. This is almost like you're at an auction and there's, you're like waiting for the right moment, the moment, moment. Whenever that moment comes, you need to buy it. I'll pay for it. This is mine. Uh, it's mine. I'm going to purchase this moment. I'm going to be here in this moment. There, present 100%. Because the moment that God gives you is a gift, whatever it is. The moment with your kids, the moment with your spouse, you might be like, ah, I can kiss them for the rest of my life. No, no, no. Embrace that moment. It will never come again. That moment with a friend, that moment at your community group this week, because you guys are all starting your community groups this week, right? Are, are you distraction-free so you can be there? When you're here in worship on Sundays, have you eliminated distractions, especially you guys online? I know it's hard. Have you eliminated distractions so you can be here to worship and hear from God? Have you eliminated distractions in the moment when you're calling your mom? When my dad got diagnosed with Parkinson's in January, it radically shifted how I was thinking about my relationship with him. I'm thinking, he's not that old. I got lots of years left with my dad. But now I'm like, I don't know what those years will be like. My grandpa passed away this week. I, I've, I've shared about him. He had cancer um, earlier this year, and he lasted a lot longer than we thought would. But even this moment of grief, sadness, I'm trying to embrace this moment because it's a good thing to feel that. And I remember back to the moments I had with him when I was 12 years old, and my older brother and I went on a road trip with my grandpa, just the three of us, from Arizona, from Phoenix, to Las Vegas, and then to Southern California. I mean... That's a special moment, and I was thinking about it and cherishing that moment. Even this moment of sadness will never come again. These moments we have with people, they will never be there again. Each moment is beautiful and unique. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it says that God has made everything fit beautifully in its appropriate and that's the passage talking about the seasons of life, the seasons of life, the seasons of death, the seasons of building up, the seasons of breaking down, of harvest and of planting. Every season, every moment is created by God to be beautiful in its time. So will you embrace that moment and be there? Whatever moment you're in, just be there in that moment. Be there in that moment. Make every moment matter. I think we should have um, the, the, the concept that one of the great philosophers of America, Jerry Seinfeld, once said. He said, pay attention. Don't let life go by you. Fall in love with the back of your cereal box. Canaan grabbed the cereal box to speak. He can't read. He's not even two yet. And he was staring at the back of the cereal box. And I remember this quote. That moment is good. Every moment that God gives you is good. So be there in that moment to share a meal, to hang out, to even watch a movie 
right? We watch a movie and we're on our devices checking email and all this stuff. We're not even there for that moment. What if we were in the moment God has given us and enjoying it and celebrating it? The very end of our passage in verse 16, it tells us to make the most of every opportunity to buy those moments, right? Redeem the time. And it says, because the days are evil. Now, there certainly is evil in our world, but a lot of us think, well, Matt, you're talking about distractions, these things like, is it really that big of a deal, you know, whether I'm just watching the next YouTube video? It's not evil, is it? But here's the thing. We have an enemy who wants to distract us. C.S. Lewis wrote a, a great book called The Screwtape Letters years ago. I think it was like in the 40s. I'm going to have to look up the date. But I was reminded of a chapter from that book. And, and I, um, so I rewrote this chapter as if C.S. Lewis was alive here in 2021. Okay? So if you've never read the book or haven't heard of it, there's, there's an older um, demon named Screwtape who's writing to a younger demon and teaching his, the younger demon, Wormwood, how to be a good demon, how to tempt people away from faith, how to distract them, and all that kind of stuff. So screw tape, this is the letter, and you guys got to pay attention, because this is a long section, I want to read it to you, I want you to focus, no distractions, especially online. He writes, um, you will find that anything or nothing is sufficient to attract his wandering attention. You no longer need a good movie, which he really likes, to keep him from his prayers or his work or his sleep. A mediocre 10-episode series of Netflix will do. You can make him waste his time not only in conversation he enjoys with people whom he likes, but in worthless commenting on Facebook with people he doesn't even know. You can make him do nothing at all for long periods. You can keep him up late at night watching stories and reels. Distractions are strong enough to steal away a man's best years, not in sweet sins, but in a dreary flickering of a smartphone. In the gratification of curiosities so feeble that the man is only half aware of them, in typing thumbs and unceasing scrolling, in four-hour podcast episodes that he does not even like, you will say that these are very small sins, and doubtless, like all young tempters, you are anxious to be able to report spectacular wickedness. But remember, murder is no better than Twitter if Twitter can do the trick. Indeed, the safest road to hell, get this, is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, with sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. Your affectionate, affectionate uncle, screw tape. Couldn't that be written for our day and age? I think the enemy wants us to be completely distracted from what God has created us for. See, he has created us for good moments, for time sharing meals with friends, with hanging out with our kids, but also for so much more than that. See, God has created each one of us uniquely, and he has crafted us. We are his masterpiece, and he has created us for something so much better than what we are living in right now, and we are just distracted. So don't waste your life. Don't waste your moments. Every single one of them matters. Make every moment matter. I guarantee you on your deathbed, you're not going to be saying, I wish I watched more videos on TikTok. Make every moment matter. Make every moment matter. So as the band comes up right now, I think what we do every week is we, we always say, we look at our passage, but, but it shows us Jesus because Jesus was the one who understood this. Jesus accomplished more in his 33 years of life than all of us will, will in our lifetimes put together. 
In his three years of ministry, he did more than I will do in my entire career. Because Jesus was there in the moment. Even though he preached to thousands and thousands of people, when one person came and needed help or healing or love, he was there for that person. He realized that moment was just as important as teaching the crowds. That Jesus was there to heal people, to share meals with people. That even when Jesus went on the cross, he still had time. In his anguish, in pain, he's struggling and crying out. He had time for the thief next to him on the cross so that he could find eternal life. See, Jesus was in every moment, and he loved people, and he was there for the moment, right? And even after Jesus died on the cross, breathing his last, his last moment for us to forgive us of our sins, he rose from the dead on the third day. And get this, he was only here on this earth for 40 days after he rose from the dead. Did you know that? And he still had time for brunch with his friends. Because he knew these moments were important. Each moment was special and God-given and would never come again. And since Jesus showed us how to live, we must follow him in the same way. So I believe right now, God is putting something on your heart, each one of us. You might not even be a follower of Jesus yet, but I think God is telling you, it's time to eliminate some distractions, right? What, What step do you need to take? Do you need to evaluate your reality? Do you need to eliminate the unwise? Do you need to embrace the best? I encourage you to do it. So, so what I'm going to do right now is give you a minute to prayerfully consider what God is challenging you to do. This is where you can get out your smartphone and write a note down. You can write something down on a piece of paper. You can turn to the person next to you and say, I think God is telling me this. What God laid on my heart is that I'm wasting too much time reading news. I just read stupid news all the time. Stupid. Waste too much time. What could I do with that time? So, so my commitment is I'm going to Stop reading news, and I'm just going to get like a, a news update so I get, you know, the top five, top ten stories each day. That's my commitment today. But what's God laying on your heart? Is it a, a social media platform you need to get rid of? Is it a person you need to stop following? Is it a device you need to get rid of? Maybe you need to set do not disturb on your phone. I have it automatically go on during certain times. So sorry, guys, if you call me, I'm with my family. I'll get back to you later. Okay, what, what is it that God is laying on your heart to do? Take a moment to prayerfully consider and make that commitment. God, reveal your will, will for each one of us with your spirit. Whatever it is, write it down. I had someone text me between services saying, Matt, this is my commitment. Whatever it is, write it down. Talk to somebody. Let's take that step forward to eliminate distractions because God has special moments for us to embrace, to enjoy, to cherish. And that moment will never come again. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Lord God, I pray that you would help us take this commitment that you're leading with your, us with your spirit, that we might take that step of faith to follow you, to change how we interact with this new world, that we could update our lives in view of the changes with the distractions around us. Give us the courage and the follow-through to do that. 
Now, with eyes still closed, there are some of you here today that you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you don't have to have him as your Lord and Savior to learn from this message today. It's good wisdom. But some of you need to make that step of faith to declare Jesus as your Lord and Savior so that your sins are forgiven and that you will have eternal life. Because guess what? The moments go on and on and on forever and ever and ever, forever in eternity if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So some of you in here need to pray to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior today. So with head bowed, I'm going to give you guys a prayer to repeat. If you are already a follower of Jesus, say this prayer out loud to give courage to someone who needs to say this prayer for the first time. So please repeat after me. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Save me. Forgive me. I accept your gift of eternal life. In faith, I declare, Jesus is Lord. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you and make every moment matter. Now with eyes still closed, if you said that prayer for the first time, would you please just slip your hand into the air? Slip your hand in here. If you declare Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, if you said yes to Jesus, if you're online, go to risedenver.com slash follow. I would love to encourage you. And, and if you're here, fill out that form online too so I can send you a book and encourage you on your new journey of faith. Lord God, we come before you and we do pray that you'd help us to make every moment matter, even this moment right now. Would we be able to respond in worship to the King of Kings, to Jesus, who is faithful in our lives till the very end. Lord God, we worship you. We praise your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand as we worship the Jesus who is faithful to the end.